Hi, I'm Jeff Richard, the creative director of Chaosium Inc., and I'm here with you on Legends of Tabletop. Hey everybody, this is John. And this is Vince. And you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Creating legends one die at a time. Thank you for joining us, Jeff. I really do appreciate it. I'm so excited to hear about what we have going on at Chaosium. And uh, what exactly is your role in Chaosium and how did that come about? Okay, I am the creative director for Chaosium, so I oversee uh, the, the full creative process on all of our lines, uh, Call of Cthulhu, RuneQuest, HeroQuest, uh, a variety of board games, and then some, some other RPGs such as 13th Age and Glorantha and Mythic Iceland and, and a variety of others. And I've been doing that since June... June or July, uh, right before Gen Con of last year, uh, when Greg uh, Stafford, the founder of Chaosium, and Sandy Peterson asked uh, myself and Neil Robinson, Rick Mainz, and Michael O'Brien to take over the management and operations of Chaosium. And so each of us ended up doing what we do uh, best, and those guys are, are awesome at doing more useful things like uh, uh, putting together distribution agreements and handling the finances and the accounts. So they gave me the hippie artistic uh, role of, of being the creative director. That's awesome. But uh, I did hear something that I'm kind of unfamiliar with, uh, Lorantha. I, I've been hearing a little bit of murmurs about it here and there, but Tell me more about Glorantha. Okay, Chaosium was actually founded uh, in order to make games for Greg Stafford's Glorantha setting back in the mid-70s. Greg, Greg had written a whole bunch of stories about this, this fantasy setting and couldn't get them published in the uh, magazines of the time because back then what you would did if you were you were an aspiring fantasy writer as you you went to magazines and little journals and 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 tried to get published and he he wasn't very successful uh, doing that so he figured what he would do is is uh, explore this setting with alternative media and he created a board game called White Bear and White Bear and Red Moon which was set in his Glorantha setting and it was the first first real fantasy board game. And this is back in 1976, so so quite a long time ago. And he um, uh, had toyed around with using uh, Arduin Grimoire, which was kind of a a very early D&D clone uh, to do role-playing games in Glorantha, but didn't like it. And then he was introduced to this guy, Steve Perrin, who said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm one of the, the founders or early guys in the Society for Creative Anachronism, and I'd like to write a role-playing game for your setting. And Greg was 
asked him some questions, you know, what would be different about this from D&D? He said, well, it's all going to be based on skills. People aren't going to become uh, amazingly awesome as they adventure through it, but, you know, it's, it's, it's going to have uh, one foot in reality and the other foot in fantasy. And Greg said, well, that sounds fantastic. And the result was RuneQuest. And then that ended up becoming, you. that same engine ended up becoming Call of Cthulhu. And so really, Glorantha is at the core of everything that Chaosium uh, started to do. And it's okay. uh, 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 probably the best developed, it and Tecumal are the best developed uh, fantasy role-playing game settings. It's um, uh, one reviewer described it as uh, if uh, Tolkien's Middle Earth is a fantasy, a fantasy setting uh, designed by a, a linguistic obsessive. So you know how how obsessive Tolkien is about words and language and. and oh, yeah. uh, Glorantha is a fantasy setting uh, created by a mythology nerd. So somebody obsessed with Campbell and uh theories of the eternal recurrence and all sorts of comparative mythology and so everything in that setting is driven by the mythology of the setting mm -hmm. and then again that 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 same aesthetic runs through a lot of other chaosium material like call of cthulhu uh like uh games like nephilim like when we did uh back when we did stormbringer and elric uh and 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 so on but it's really kind of at the, the heart of the DNA of Chaosium. Okay, and that leads into my next question for you. My fangirl is showing. How is the new RuneQuest edition coming along? All fantastic. So so what we did, uh, when we, uh, prior to joining uh, Chaosium, uh, we had a company called Moon Design, and Moon Design was the publisher and the owner of, of all things Glorantha. And one of our, our fanboy wishes, going way back when, was, God, wouldn't it be awesome if we could we could join back together with Chaosium and, you know, do RuneQuest, uh, do a Chaosium RuneQuest the way we always thought it should be done. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. And so I've brought back uh, uh, Steve Perrin is now actively in the, the guy who originally wrote RuneQuest is act, actively involved on in the, the new RuneQuest. Uh, I had uh, Ken Rolston, who was very involved in the third edition of RuneQuest before he went on to do uh, glamorous and exciting things in the computer game industry, uh, but then retired and has given us uh, an immense amount of uh, free time and and work on the new RuneQuest, uh, as well as uh, uh, Chris Klug, who wrote uh, James Bond 007 back in the uh, back in the 80s, Dragon Quest again before going on and becoming a computer game designer, uh, and now a professor over at uh, Carnegie Mellon, and you know, so we put together a really good team, and uh, Jason Durall, who wrote the the BRP Big Gold book is doing the final edits of the core rules book. And so actually I suspect we'll be done with the core rules next month. Uh, that doesn't mean we're gonna release the book yet because our plan is is we really wanna 
we want to put RuneQuest to be our, our second major line. So we're actually going to release it after we've got uh, three other books for it done so that when it's released, it's not just a rule book, but it's a rule book. There's a bestiary. There's um, uh, lots of material for GMs. There's a campaign book. And, and we figured that that's the, the best way for the people that have been waiting decades for there to be a new Chaosium of RuneQuest. We, we, we figured they're willing to wait for it to be just done in as grand a fashion as possible. Yes, I, I must admit, um, the only time that I played RuneQuest, it was really memorable. Um, you lost an arm? Oh, it was so memorable. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, it was actually being much like this. Uh, a Google Hangout, and the person that ran it was running from a very, very old source book that was falling out of its binding as he was finding things to tell us from the source book. So, oh, that sounds. Uh, prior to Rick doing that Kickstarter last year, for mm -hmm. the the at the end of last year, we we kickstarted the return of classic RuneQuest. I was still running it using this beat up old copy that that I swear has got to have been, well, geez, I think I bought uh, it's bought it back in 81, 82. So it's, you know, 35 years old. It was old enough to have kids in its own right. Um, and, you know, it was held together with duct tape. Yes. <laughs> It is. I, RuneQuest is so hardwired into to how I think about fantasy role-playing games uh, that that it is. It is. Even though I've, you know, uh, Robin Laws and I wrote here, uh, co-wrote HeroQuest, um, the second edition of it. RuneQuest is still very much just hardwired into how I, I I think about gaming at all. It's 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 just been my go-to system for pretty much well as long as I've been gaming, which is longer than I like to think about. <laughs> well, um, we're, we're going to go ahead and move on to Con of Cons. Tell me about Oh, yeah. So have you seen that? Have you uh, seen? Just very briefly, I saw I saw one little image of, of the board game, the intended packaging of it. And well, so it's really cute. Oh, it's awesomely cute. So, so Reiner Knizia put together this game for us. That's you know a game you can play and you can play a, a a set of it in less than thirty minutes, and you can play with with kids or adults or whatever. Uh, but it's a really simple game where you're running around. Everybody plays a Praxian tribe, and the Praxians ride um, are are nomads that ride beasts. So bison and high llamas and and zebras and sable antelope and bouncy little impalas and all you know all sorts of goofy animals, and it's such a cute game. And the art we got a um, a fellow Ian O'Neill to do the art of it, and and it, the art is just fantastic. It's just so so darn cute, and it. We've played, we were at uh, Essen last month, uh, Essen Spiel, which is a huge 
uh, board game convention in Essen, Germany. Uh, you know, imagine imagine Gen Con, as many people as Gen Con, all playing board games. Wow. And just huge. And we were running game constant games of Conicons, and just everybody loved it. It's it's simple, cute, and you don't need to know anything about the Glorantha setting to play it, uh, other than, uh, boy, it's so cute. You, you get people arguing about which um, uh, animal tribe they want to belong to, you know, based on which they think is cuter: the person riding the bison or the 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 person with the zebra. You know. yeah. It's a wonderful game. Excellent. Now, your upcoming product is for Christmas, right? Do you have anything that we should be able to look forward to regarding? Yeah, we got two awesome things. Now, these are on the yeah. Cthulhu. We've got quite a bit that's actually coming out right um, that that we've we've just gotten finished printing and should be available for for sale. So we have for Cthulhu, uh, Pulp Cthulhu which I believe you can now pre-order. And Pope Cthulhu is, it's the Cthulhu rules if you want to give your characters a chance of surviving some of the, the campaigns. So, you know, your characters are just, a, they're, they're still going to go insane and die. They're just not going to die quite as fast. You know? <laughs> so the idea in Pope Cthulhu is, this is if you want to have more of that Indiana Jones feel where uh, in, in normally in Cthulhu, you know, you pull your gun out and you start shooting. That's the end of your character. They're dead. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're gone. Whereas in Pope Cthulhu, you know, if you're not pulling it out on the mytho, the big mythos entities, but it's against the, the gangsters or the cultists, yeah, you can survive the firefight. You'll still, you know, when Cthulhu goes up and you lose all your sanity, you're still going to die horribly. But you're going to die horribly at the climax of the of the campaign, as opposed to leading uh, up and needing six other same last names siblings to take place. Oh, exactly. I mean, I I I can remember playing Masks of Neela Hotep, and I cannot even remember how many characters I went through. Yeah. And pulp, pulp isn't designed to have more of the feeling of that, the, the pulp fiction of the 30s and 40s, you know, Doc, what is it, Doc Savage, the Man of Bronze, or Indiana Jones, or, um, you know, folk that, you know, are two-fisted uh, in, in, um, in confronting Nazis or cultists or whatnot, but it still keeps the, the 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 fundamental uh, key elements of Call of Cthulhu. Anyways, gorgeous book, wonderful. I if if I was had my act better together, I would have a PDF here that I could share screen with you. But uh, I I wasn't that competent in planning ahead. The other one that we have on Call of Cthulhu that also is for sale um, for Christmas is Doors to Darkness. This is six new scenarios for the the new edition, which again is just a beautiful book, and then we've got the Cthulhu coloring book, which I I'm really excited about because I love coloring books. Yeah, um, I I really I am looking forward to that. I then, think I've seen one little image of it. Well, we got this fantastically talented artist 
to put together these these just wonderful full plate um, uh, images. Now he colored them, and then he stripped the color out um, for for the final. But they are just fantastic renditions. And even if you don't ever plan to color in them, which embarrassingly I actually do, uh, but even if you don't plan on them, it's just a cool thing to have around. And then. The other one that I am actually most entertained by and that, that I'm going to be giving to uh, an awful lot of friends for their Christmas gift is the HP Lovecraft for Beginners, Beginning Readers, uh, Call of Cthulhu, which is done in this in incredibly, it's got the, the, the feeling and the look of a... Um, you know, Dr. Seuss or a lot of the other childhood books, you know, none of the characters whatnot, but it's, it's so cute, ridiculously cute, telling Lovecraft's Call of Cthulhu story. Oh. Um, and it's it's brilliantly done. It's, it's actually true to, you know, it keeps to the theme of the original, um, uh, the original story, but it's told in that iambic pentameter that we we know from all of our our, our children's books, and that will be available for for Christmas. You can already you should be able to pre-order it very soon, and okay. so we are super stoked about those. So it's yeah, you know, that's 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 four new products. That's and then we also have for Glorantha we have the Coming Storm, which is a uh, Hero Quest Glorantha supplement, but that's actually already for sale. Excellent. Now, um, that that just touched on my next one. Do you have any upcoming products or announcements? Of course. Well, that was four. Uh, yeah. We need to keep going on. For you the, you most, of the rest, most of the rest are for 2017. We're doing the, um, uh, we're finishing up the art right now for uh, the Two-Headed Serpent, which is a big uh, Pulp Cthulhu campaign. Uh, that should be available first quarter um, of 2017. And that one there, it takes you, it, it, it's in that, as I said, that Pulp Cthulhu style. So it's a big, grand, world-traveling uh, uh, campaign, like a lot of the classic Cthulhu campaigns, that you don't have to necessarily go through a dozen campaign, uh, characters in order to play. Uh, okay. And then we've got uh, the other one that we're doing the finishing up the artwork for is a book uh, we're calling the Grand Grimoire. And really what it is is a GM and players um, guide to all the magic spells that are used in Call of Cthulhu. But that in and of itself isn't very interesting in my opinion. You know, that, you know that's a spell book. And spell books in and of themselves aren't that cool. So what we did tried to do is we tried to design this so that it sh artistically looks like the sort of stuff we would imagine um, these spell books to look at. And so it draws on all sorts of, of real world artistic traditions to just look as cool and bizarre as possible, as well as being a really useful game resource. And then both of those things are the, the uh, I believe those are the next two Cthulhu products to come out. And then we're, we're finishing out the, the layout for another HeroQuest Glorantha book, which will also come out in the first quarter. And then after that, we've got 
just an awful lot of Cthulhu in the pipeline, and then we've also got the the new request in the pipeline. Uh, plus another, plus an, yet another board game for next year. Can you tell us anything about? That? Yeah, this is yeah, this is this is um, one that we we were actually going to release this year, but we decided we would go with Conicons as our 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 first game of the new board game line, and that is a re-release and a redesigned version of a, a game Chiasium released back in the early '90s called Credo, and I I'm going to give you the pitch for the game. And you're going to confess, I have to confess, it's a game, it's an awesome game, and it's actually crazy that we're publishing it. Um, and what you are is you're playing a faction. This is, how's this for nerdy? You're playing a faction at the uh, Council of Nikea. So this is the council that the Emperor Constantine, Roman, Roman Emperor, held to when he decided, okay, the Roman Emperor Empire is going to be Christian. What the heck do you Christians believe in? And so the, the emperor held this big council to figure out the doctrine of the new state religion because he didn't know what it was. All he knew was, you know, it had this magic sign, and and that magic sign let him beat the heck out of his uh, uh, other rifles. And so he figured, hurrah, this shall be the new state religion. Tell me what you believe in. Oh gosh! And so, uh, and it just you play factions in there, and you all have the things that you believe in, and they're they're determined by what cards you have, and you're trying desperately to have that be made um, uh, part of the creed of this this new religion, and they're all real world um, beliefs. They're all, they're all sects and they're all tenets that were held by various groups in the, the second and third century, which means it's crazier than anything we could have ever made up. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely bug nuts crazy. It's, yeah. but also what you're doing is you're scheming and backstabbing and you're trying to screw over your fellow players and you're trying to murder each other. Uh, meanwhile, trying desperately to make sure that the emperor and possibly more important, the Empress is on your side. And it's a wonderful card game. And we, 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 we got a, um, a Bulgarian friend of mine, Colin Kadev, who does the Princess Sarder comic, does, has done this amazing uh, art that all looks like it's something that could have come off of some Eastern Orthodox fresco. And, and it's... Um, uh, it's a game we like to joke. It's the only game that you could play with somebody that is in a seminary school um, uh, and at the same table have, you know, a, a, a devotee of Richard Dawkins, and they both would have a wonderful time. We did a, a Gen Con. We did a celebrity game of it with a friend of ours, Jonathan Tweet, who's, um, you know, he's, he's, he's um, <clears throat> very... Um, uh, outgoing in his 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 um, commitment to uh, uh, being a strong atheist, and so we had him play and a couple of other friends, and then we also had the guy who was the is the has the gamer ministries also there at Gen Con, and they all played it and they had a wonderful time. It's possibly the only thing the two of those guys could both agree on was that they had a blast playing it. That's anyways. 
it's it's the sort of game that we're probably insane for publishing, but I always loved it. So, you know, when we it's one of the ones we wanted to get back into print and and make it very pretty. Yeah, and especially at a time like now, you've got to have stuff that brings people together. You know, but the other thing about it is, I love games where you play and you learn something at the same time. Mm -hmm. And and um, so this is a game. You know, you may end up with weird Gnostic uh, tenets of faith and. Um, but you go in and, and, and I remember after the first time I played that way back in the early nineties that actually it convinced me to read a tremendous amount about the late Roman empire. So, you know, if, if, if games can convince you to, to read and learn something, then, you know, that's doubly awesome in my book. Oh, definitely. I, I tell you what, I call of Cthulhu. I was introduced to that during a role-playing convention in the mid-90s. And I had never heard of H.P. Lovecraft. I couldn't have told you thing one about the man or any of his stories. And immediately after, I had played the... Uh, Oh gosh, what do you think? The module at that convention, it was ran by Michael Howard. Okay. Um, and I mean, immediately after that, I went to the library, I read all of his stories, and uh, and yeah, it, it made me a fan. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's one of the, the, the one of the things I absolutely love about uh, being the creative director at Chiasium is is that we put a huge amount of effort to make sure that our writers uh, have the time to do the research, not just of the story, but the background of the story, and 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 just the you know some of the crazy uh, historical events um, and and real world places that get turned into Call of Cthulhu scenarios. I, I find. I find that part of the process as fun as anything else in it. And and boy, you just end up, you know, you end up learning so much absurd information about our world. Yeah. And and actually I, I have to say all of our lines are like that. Glorantha is very much like that. You know, the the amount of comparative mythology uh and and uh uh Bronze Age and Iron Age history that I've read in order to put uh, Glorantham material together, or um, one of our new books for that'll be ready for next year, Mythic Iceland. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if if it doesn't make you want to go out and grab a copy of Njal Saga or uh, Igil Saga, then then you're hopeless. No. Um, but you know that's that's a big part of what I I, I think we try to do at Chiasium is 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 to publish stuff that's just got this this amazing body of of information behind it. And and that that you lived up to that with with Call of Cthulhu, and and it it really it really introduced me to a whole new world of of the pulps and. Uh, and and not just Lovecraft, but the mythos and everything surrounding it, Durleth. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, have, you, uh, have, have, I, have we managed to get you into reading any of Dunsany yet? Um, not Dunsany. 
I do have it on my shelf. I haven't dove into it. Um, the great yes, thing about Dunsany is stuff is totally mad. It's very short. All of his stories are very, very short. So you can you can you can kind of delve into it. But they are the origin of almost all. It's kind of the the backstory of almost all 20th century fantasy, from Tolkien to Lovecraft, um, all of that that first generation of 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 weird tales or epic fantasy. All had read um, uh, or had been influenced by Dunsany, and I love reading it. Things like that because. You read that and you go, oh, oh God, I recognize that. I recognize, but I've, you know, it's it's several generations back, which just entertains me to no end. Okay. Sorry, that's a bit of a. Uh, I, I know I'm going off a, a little bit on no. the team here. No, it's this is this is great. I mean, the other one that 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 that, that has a big influence on everybody on our writing team is an Argentinian writer, Jorge Borges. Um, which uh, he Can you was. Spell that last name for me. Borges, B-O-R-G-E-S. Uh, sometimes called the founder of magical realism, but he wrote just a, a tremendous number of wonderful, crazy short uh, short stories in the the thirties, forties, and fifties. But was of great literary respectability. And he was one of the first respectable authors to uh, uh, say that Lovecraft's pulp stories were uh, uh, important literature in their own right. And he actually wrote several um, uh, stories that were homages to Lovecraft. And, and that gave Lovecraft a degree of respectability they might not have otherwise uh, 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 achieved, and then to to tie it all back in, he was the the biggest influence on Umberto Eco, who wrote *Name of the Rose* and *Foucault's Pendulum*, and and uh, tremendous. Who and then in uh, uh, *Foucault's Pendulum*, and I think in another book as well, he reintroduced uh, Lovecraft elements into his highbrow New York Times best-selling story. So, you know, it all kind of goes full circle. Awesome. But yes, thanks for the indulging the tangent. Oh, of course, because speaking of fiction, mm. I have in my hands this beautiful Isn't that fantastic? Oh, Casilda's song. Now, are we? What are we going to look forward to regarding? Okay, so we've just brought on James Louder to uh, be the executive consultant to the new fiction line, and um, we're going to let James make all the announcements as to what the next series of books are. But we will be relaunching. Uh, the, the Chaosian fiction line in the same way that we've been relaunching Call of Cthulhu and RuneQuest. Uh, so with much better marketing and much better presence than, you know, it, it's one of the things that I'm I'm actually saddened about because Casilda Song is a fantastic anthology. Yes, it uh, is. It, it's, it's gotten quite a few honorable mentions. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, my my only 
complaint is more on our side, which is that I wish that we had managed to be able to, to, to give it the marketing um, support that it deserved. But we released it while we were still going on the, the rebuilding of the company in order to get the Call of Cthulhu 7th uh, release out. And uh, it's an absolutely awesome anthology. And uh, it's, it's kind of the template for what we hope everything going forward on the fiction line is going to be like. Excellent. Um, so you don't have any titles yet? You have- oh, we have titles. I'm just not, I, oh. James will murder me if, if, if I spoil his fun. Um, but basically what we're going to be coming out with is we'll be coming out with a, uh, uh, about four books a year on the fiction line. Okay. And, um, and we will be using, uh, you know, some, we will have, um, a combination of of brand new material like uh, Casilda Song, with um, also one of the things that what we really are committed to doing is taking some of the material that's in the the um, that had been previously published by Chaosium and giving it the treatment that it deserved. Uh, so better editing, um, uh, better support, just more professional look, et cetera. Cause there's, 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 um, there's some incredible gems that unfortunately was very, that were very poorly packaged, uh, uh, you know, largely, largely for financial reasons that we would really like to get back into people's um, hands and have people take a second chance on it. Okay. So yeah, that's, um, that, gets us somewhere into 2017. And then um, uh, we've got actually uh, the other big board game that we're working on, I, again, is going back to kind of classic Chaosium, is that Chris Klug has been working for the last year and a half on uh, uh, redoing the board game that launched Chaosium, White Bear, Red Moon, and redoing that with modern sensibilities, having it be, uh, instead of being an old style 70s war game where you moved, you know, gigantic uh, stacks of chips and you, your game took six to eight hours. The, the idea is that for this to be something that, you know, is card driven, uh, it's still, you know, moving, you, you move your, your armies around on a board, but you don't have your gigantic stack of chips. It's more like, um, you know, more like a modern game uh, and can be played in less than two hours instead of six to eight, to, which is probably being generous. Uh, and like, like pulling out original risk. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I've, I've got, I don't know if you're much of a war gamer, but I, I come out of the, 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 the wargaming part of the hobby. And I have games that I so desperately want to be able to play a second time in my life, but I know oh. it'll never happen because they take 40 or 50 hours to play. Mm -hmm. And you need seven people that are willing to commit 40 to 50. They're one of my favorites is like, is like a hundred hour game. I know I will never play that again. Yeah. Hey, at least you got to play it once. I got to play once. I did get to play Empires at Arms once. Um, but yeah, that, that, so we've got um, 
And then we've also got a, a just an awful lot of, of material in the, the Kala Cthulhu pipeline. We, we have um, uh, Lynn Hardy, who is a British writer, is doing a uh, campaign book called Children of Fear for early next year. And that's another big uh, uh, multiple area uh, Call a Cthulhu campaign, but this one is set more in China and Central Asia and South Asia. And it deals with uh, things like Shambhala and Agartha. Uh, so uh, the uh, Theosophists. Yeah, Agartha. They, they had the, the Theosophist hollow world inhabited by the invisible masters where everything... Um, the invisible masters who are the that is the secret college that rules the world which you got to admit sounds pretty call of cthulhu it does and and the great thing about it is 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 agartha is um kind of a bastardized version of the tibetan shambhala which is the 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 mystical kingdom inhabited by uh, a series of uh, a group of enlightened beings that that you know is this magical perfect um, uh, kingdom, and um, the the founders of Theosophism, uh, I think it was had been influenced by, and I, I I'm going to butcher the names because I'm not looking at, at any of my notes, but there was a, a French writer Yves uh, Saint Laurent or something like that, who uh, took the Shambhala story and created the Agartha story, and then Madame Blavatsky turned that into kind of one of the core uh, parts of theosophistry. Uh, and so Lynn is running with that as hard and fast as she can to just make an absolutely crazy uh, Call of Cthulhu campaign. And I'm really excited about this one. This is This is one of the first ones that I've uh, the first books that I've been able to control from the very beginning uh, all the way through. And, and so whenever Lynn comes back with, with, you know, well, have I gone too far with this? It's always not far enough. We've got to go crazier and wilder and screw with the players' heads even more. And I'm very excited. I can't wait to see it. Oh, yeah. And then um, see an, a, a, another one that we've got in the pipeline um, uh, American writer David Larkins is actually doing a series of three uh, linked scenarios that are separated by a number of years in time, uh, set in the Berlin of the early 20s, the mid 20s, and the early 30s. And Berlin, which is where I live, uh, was a totally crazy, mad city. It was mm -hmm. Uh, it had a gigantic occult scene. It was filled with with um, weird and goofy sects. You know, some of them were turned out to be pretty nasty, frightening sects. Uh, but you know, you just had this 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 kind of uh, city at the end of the world vibe going on there. And David is 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 putting together this just wonderful set of uh, uh, three link scenarios where the real world NPCs are frankly crazier than 
any of the stuff that we've ever been able to come up with for uh, fictitious NPCs because it's just the period there. And then we've, you know, we've got, um, you know, we've we've got we've got an awful lot of Call of Cthulhu in in the pipeline. Sandy Peterson's uh, the Tales of Sandy Peterson will be out next year, and that's a a collection of six or seven scenarios that Sandy, who created Call of Cthulhu, has written, and it's the first of at least two books in that series, and they're all one shot scenarios where I've played in a couple of them and. It was they had some of the most fantastic total party kill. Uh, oh, nice. I actually, we had one where the characters that killed themselves considered themselves to be the winners. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it just, but that's the great They're thing the about lucky ones. What was that? They're the lucky ones. We were the lucky ones. We were the lucky ones. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, so would you they know, be ideal for, uh, for say, convention settings? Do you have yes, like maybe absolutely. a three-hour uh, set amount of time? Do they come with pre-gens? Yes, a lot of them come with pre-gens. Um, uh, I think all of them. I, I mean, I have to double-check there, but I think all of them come with pre-gens. Oh, uh, and they're just absolutely – I and Sandy – Sandy always runs the most entertaining, um, but absolutely messed up games, you know, in that, you know, if Sandy's your GM, that your characters are just going to die absolutely horribly and you're going to have a wonderful time in the process. Excellent. And, and those usually are the best ones. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is it's 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 one of the it's one of the things that really sets Call of Cthulhu apart from pretty much what every game, uh, every other game out there is that in Cthulhu, you know your character is probably not long for the world. Oh yeah, um, and and that's part of the joy, you know. Your character oh, is this. Yeah. It's a cruel, harsh, and ultimately hostile universe that will destroy your character. But darn it, your character will heroically attempt to to stop the demise of humanity, or at least postpone it, yes, uh, yes. for some amount of time. And 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 there's just something wonderfully liberating about that. You know, you know, and we do games that 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 that. You know, we have other games that are more, much more uh, traditional RPGs. Thirteenth uh, uh, Age of Glorantha, which I'm finishing up the art for. Um, that's uh, Rob Hinzo and Jonathan Tweet, and and it's basically their director's cut of D and D set in Glorantha. Wonderful and awesome. Uh, and then there's RuneQuest, which is kind of somewhere in between. And when you're playing RuneQuest, you're trying to be a heroic figure. And, and you know, you often have powerful magic, but you definitely have feet of clay. And you're definitely mortal. Yes. It's, it's, it's just something, it's something I really enjoy about our line of products is that they are different from a lot of the, the, the role-playing tropes. Yeah. 
That they are. And that's what really surprised me about RuneQuest is because, yes, my character is pretty powerful, but I can't show it because of backstory. Yeah. And all of these limitations that are there and you just do not know. You simply don't know. And yeah. it it was it was really, really exciting for me to learn. Uh, and and to play around in this new world. And I'm sure that the other players that I still play with them once a week, every week for I don't know how many years now, three, four. Um, but yeah, um, and bring it, bringing back something that we spoke of earlier. Oh. Can, can we expect to see any developments in the plushie line? Well, what we've what we're doing right now is um, we've got a red bubble store up for this doesn't get us to the plushies but it gets us for the other good ones is we know we're really good at creating games and books we also know we're not very good at being t-shirt salesmen um, but on the other hand, we have lots of cool art, and we have lots of cool images, and we have lots of iconic figures in Cthulhu, in Glorantha, and so on. So we set up a Redbubble store for Chiasium. That's not where we're doing the plushies. At some point, huh. we will try and do um, a licensing agreement to, to set up a partner to do new plushies, because I, as I was telling you before we, we started, I've got my Cthulhu plushie. My son loves it. He's seven years old, and it's part of his stuffed animal collection that, that, that he sleeps with. And whenever I go to a convention or um, uh, some sort of business-related flight, my son always makes sure that I pack Cthulhu in, in my suitcase. And... He has told me, Daddy, I know where you're going. You're going to RuneQuest Glorantha. You have to bring Cthulhu because that's where he lives. <laughs> uh, that's excellent. Um, oh, yeah. Now, um, the, the Cthulhu plushies. And another one that we really want to, to find some way... Um, uh, uh, again, we just need to find the right partner on that. It's those con of con figures. I mean, how awesome would that bison be? Oh, it would be so cute. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, it would. It would. And, uh, and I look forward to seeing that coming up in the yeah. future as well. It's so. just that the, the, the reason that we're not trying to do that internally is, is that Prior I to understand us coming, that the cost of developing and maintaining and inventory and all of that. So, I mean, I, I could understand that being shoved down on the list of priorities, you know? Oh, it's a fairly high priority. It's just that it's one of these things that, that, that what do we think about phase two of the sort of stuff that we want to do? It's, it's a, it's a, after we reestablish um, all of the lines and make sure that everybody's gotten all the Call of Cthulhu 7 stuff, that they've all gotten the RuneQuest stuff, the 13th Age stuff, uh, and, and, and so on and so forth, that, that, that then we can look at, okay, we've got this really cool stuff and we're very good at developing licensing partnerships. You know, we, um, we've got a, 
uh, Call of Cthulhu computer game coming out next year with uh, uh, Focus Entertainment, uh, mm -hmm. which looks just absolutely fantastic. We've got uh, David Dunham is coming out with a sequel to King of Dragon Pass, hopefully late next year. And that was the, that's a Glorantha computer game. You know, we're, 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 we're pretty familiar on the computer game side of things. It's just that we haven't quite figured out how you, how, how you develop a partner for plushy toys, but by gum, we will. Okay. Um, now, uh, is there anything else that you would like to speak about that is, that is, or might be in the works at Chaosium? Uh, let's see. I've talked about, um, I've talked about Call of Cthulhu uh -huh. and there's, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that I will be getting, a, a, an email soon from the line developer, Mike Mason saying, you forgot all about Dreamlands. Oh. Oh, yeah, well, yes, okay, so yes, we will be doing, um, actually one of the ones that we're going to be commissioning art for very, very soon is um, uh, the first of a series of, of Cthulhu books set in the Old West. Ooh. And I love, I love um, the, the mythology of the American West, absolutely love it. And because uh, there's, it's crazy, it's weird, it's got these, you know, the, these grand anti-heroic, heroic themes in it. Uh, and it also works really well for Cthulhu. And so we will be doing uh, and, and putting a lot of, of uh, art budget into having and it's visually striking a, a series of books there. And then we're probably going to actually do a independent uh, role-playing game that's not Call of Cthulhu, also set in the West that uses the, um, a lot of the psychological issues that we're exploring with a new uh, uh, version of RuneQuest, which ultimately derives from Pendragon, which derives from RuneQuest again, uh, to deal with the, the internal conflicts that Western characters always have. Because, you know, in, in almost all cases, the, the classic Western story is a story of redemption. It's about broken people trying to find uh, some sort of meaning in their world, almost always through, always through violent vengeance. Um, but it's it, it still, you know, you look at, um, uh, you look at the William Money character in The Unforgiven, um, which is a, a, a completely anti-heroic uh, story of redemption. But basically there you have the character who is, desperately trying to not be what he really is, which is a monstrous killer. And by the end of the movie, he embraces his monstrous killer, wipes out everybody in big whiskey, um, and then goes off to sell dry goods somewhere in San Francisco. But you know, uh, you also look at a uh, tombstone, it's a story of redemption, high noon, Shane, etc. And I just think that that's, you know, we all, think that that's something that is just right for a better treatment by role-playing games than it has been given. 
or even Blood Meridian and the Judge. Oh, well, hey, hey, if we want to go down the Cormac McCarthy part, the Judge is my absolute favorite villain of all time. I mean, if we want to talk Cormac McCarthy, we could have an entire session, an entire episode of Legends of Tale the Tabletop, just saying, just about why gamers should read uh, Blood Meridian. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, that that also, there you have bad men. Yes. Realizing that they're riding with worse than bad men. Uh-huh. And, 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 um, and the themes that are woven into that. And you wonder, why has it never been used um, uh, by gamers? Because it's so rich. Yeah, uh, there's so much there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So this is another project that we that 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 um, will be for the next phase. Um, we've got an awful lot of 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 RuneQuest material. Uh, you know, we're 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 shooting for. You know, ultimately, we want to have a new Cthulhu book out every other month. Okay. And that's what we're building up the pipeline for. But we've also, you know, projects. Well, uh, once we're into that stage, then projects that I've just always been uh, like the old, um, uh, we haven't commissioned it yet, but we're doing the, the, the preparation for it, is I really want to do a Cthulhu campaign set in the later reign of Queen Elizabeth. Okay. Um, so, because you get in there, you get John D. You get pirates. You know, this is the great age of uh, Walter Raleigh and Francis Drake. You have the uh, alchemist king of Bohemia, Rudolph, uh, who's the the emperor. You have uh, uh, Shakespeare. You have. Um, uh, paranoia about uh, the Spanish, all of that makes a wonderful setting that, again, has never really been very well used. And given the, the you know, you've got a, a Giordano, uh, Giordano, Giordano, I'm, I'm butchering his, his, his first name, Bruno, uh, who was uh, the forerunner of the Rosicrucians. You've, you've, got, you've got just you know, absolute bug nuts intellectual stuff going on with pirates. I mean, what could be cooler? I mean, pirates, yeah. crazy, crazy cabalists. I mean, it's it's like Reese's peanut butter cups, you know, <laughs> chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah. So yeah, these these are these are the things that we're now you know hoping that we're we're uh, once we're done with phase one, we're able to push towards. Okay. Um, so. Now, I I am trying to be mindful of the time, and I mm. do want to. I'm having a blast. So. Okay, because I was going to say. As long as you're having fun, I'm having fun. Yeah, I'm having a great time. I just know that you probably have to sleep sometime, and and if at any time you want to go ahead and and call it a night please let me know because in the meantime, I was going to do something that we call here at Legends of Tabletop, the final five. Okay. All right. 
Um, Unless there's anything else you want me to, 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 to ramble and riff off, because I'm always happy with that. Oh, we will. We will. And, until you are complete, this discussion is still in progress. Awesome. Okay. Um, video game or tabletop? Which one's your favorite and why? Tabletop. Absolutely, with it, without a doubt. Um, uh, the problem with, with, and and I've always attributed this quote to to Uncle Ken, Ken Rolston, although he denies it, uh, is that with video games, what we've managed to do is spend billions of dollars on R and D and amazing graphics in order to simulate the experience of a mediocre D&D game from the 1970s. You know, it's it's fundamentally very linear. Even, even sandbox games are fundamentally linear in how you interact with the NPCs. So, you know, if I'm playing Fallout 4, which is a beautiful, wonderful game, yes. but I want to I want to go off script. I can't. No. Because there's um uh, there's only so many types of interaction that I can have with the, the environment other than blowing it up. Otherwise, it's pretty limited range of environment. Whereas with tabletop, my limitation is my imagination. That's, yes. that's it. And so if, if I'm and running a game, what was that? And hopefully a good GM. I, and I'm, hopefully a good GM. Yeah, I mean, well, there I is that. Been there. I mean, there, there is the, the the human component of it. But for instance, my 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 players um, will sometimes go on periods where they just want to do, you know, if we're playing um, a Glorantham game, they may want to spend three or four sessions doing nothing but court politics mm -hmm. uh, and. Uh, social interaction and dealing with their cults and their temples. No combat at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and forcing me as the GM to improvise everything. Uh -huh. And then of course they want to have they want to have meaningful ramifications and consequences of their decisions, which uh, you know I have to make up on the fly. A human being can do that. You yeah. can't you can't predict ahead of time what is going to drive players interest and what players are going to want to do and that's the gigantic limitation of video games in my opinion they're they're pretty and they can be an awful lot of fun especially if you don't have a gm but if if i've got a you know if i've got several players and somebody wants to run i'll 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 pick doing that 10 times out of 10 over playing a video game very well said Next question. Okay. Star Wars, Star Trek. I just added this one. Uh, or for those that like neither of the previous selections, Dune. And why? Dune? Yeah. Oh, Dune. Dune. Okay. <laughs> that sucks because I like all three. Um, yeah. Pick Dune. one. <laughs> Dune is the most awesome of the three. The the books. Not the not 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 the movies. I mean, I appreciate David Lynch's absolutely insane vision, and I, I still wish we could have seen uh, Jod uh, Jodowski's... Uh, what? Jodorowsky's Dune? Or Jodorowsky's Dune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, I mean, it would have been a 
glorious financial flop, and it would be something that I would I would own every little piece of paraphernalia uh, with it. Dune is of the three. Dune is my favorite, but I like the other. Well, sorry, Star Wars. I like the first three movies, not the sequels. And I'm sorry, the first two and a half movies, and then Star Trek. I'm a I'm a if if. William Shatner's not in it. I'm just not entertained. Oh, I'm a I'm an old school Star Trek guy. Okay. I, I want to okay. see I want to see John F. Kennedy up on the Starship Enterprise, flying around, uh, dealing with Russian Klingons and uh, Chinese Romulans. I mean, that's okay. That's but that's just me. I am I I tend to go more for before I added Dune into the mix. Uh, I I would tend to go more Star Trek just in general over Star Wars because there's so much more content. So oh, much. There more. Is. There is. But you know what I love about the old original Star Trek, mm -hmm. as hokey as it is, is it's a Western. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a space Western. It's Firefly. It's, you know, Captain Kirk and his buddies um are doing um uh you know a buddy driven western and you know go back to my previous discussion i love westerns okay. and but dune dune is infinitely cooler than star trek plus star wars yeah yeah sorry all my star wars friends and my star trek friends but it's true now going into the comics arena of things if you could have one superpower, what would it be in one? Oh, oh. That really comes down to what is your favorite um, comic book hero, isn't it? Because you're really you're really copying that the the and okay. My two favorite. I, I'm I'm not going to answer your question directly. Is that okay? okay? Yeah, that's fine. I, I I'm I'm going to go with my two favorite comic book characters and I would love to have either of their powers mm -hmm. and they're pretty radically different. I would either want to be John Constantine, right? Maybe not smoke as much as he does and, and have slightly better light, but you know, he's got cool stuff. He can deal with anyone. He's got these great necromantic powers, can can bargain with with entities infinitely more powerful than him, uh, uh, do all sorts of crazy stuff. And 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 nonetheless, and he's got to be pushing what, 55, 60 years old, he's still as cool as as, as Sting. You know, I mean, who wouldn't want that? The other comic book hero that I embarrassingly have a tremendous funness for is the old Captain America. The, 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 because he wasn't the cool, he didn't actually have any great superpowers. You know, it was, but for some reason, you know, you have this team that's got, you know, Iron Man with his, his you know, multi-billion dollar technology suit. You have the freaking Incredible Hulk and you have the Scandinavian God of Thunder. You know, infinitely powerful guys. But in order to figure out how to do anything, they go, well, Captain America, tell us what we're supposed to do. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
yeah, I'm a, I'm a World War II vet and I've got a shield. And you know, <laughs> for some reason, I just, you know, it's not a great power, but I just, for some reason, I find the character is so entertaining that, you know, basically his superpower is clearly to convince, yeah, infinitely more impressive people than yourself to just do what you tell them to do. And, you know, so, you know, John Constantine, Captain America, that I, I know it's not really the answer to the question, but th okay. to me, that's more entertaining than what I want to have invisibility, what I want to have telekinesis. Uh, I'm more entertained by the characters. Yeah, that's true. I did just see uh, Doctor Strange in IMAX. I, uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. I had fun. It oh, was you such did? Yeah, it was so psychedelic. The plot, did, I paid no attention to the plot or the character development. I just sat there and went, wow. Wow, <laughs> this, is, this is just visually, this is what, you know, they were trying to do with the Inception, but they just turned it up to 11. And, yeah. and it's like going back to, you know, the ultimate version of Dune. Do you really think that Jodowski's uh, uh, plot would make any sense? Who and will ever know? Would you care? No. Would you want? No, of course not. It would be. No, would, this is just like the Holy Mountain. I. I yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, I don't even know what the plot is of the Holy Mountain, and I don't care. No. I just sit there. I, I, I want to be astounding, astounded by the sheer artistic chutzpah of the whole thing. And, and that's why I enjoyed Dr. Strange is that artistically I went, wow, yeah. I'm going to pay no attention to the plot. I'm just going to sit there and watch the, 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 the attempts to create Steve Ditko's weird ass images. Mm -hmm. And, and and can we get rid of the characters? I just want to watch the skyscrapers melt around uh, each other because that's just too yeah. cool to see. But keep the time loop going a little more. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, there, 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 there's a, a a big part of me that I can be, I'm willing to accept that that plot. And character is sometimes not as important as just sheer crazy chutzpah. Mm -hmm. I know, and that's not really answering your question again. <laughs> Marvel or DC? Okay, I'm a Marvel kid. Now, I I I I grew up in Marvel. I um, I, I grew up reading the Hulk and Avengers and. Um, uh, heck, I even remember the X when the X Men special came out that introduced those the Wolverine and 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 all those other characters. On the other hand, I have a soft spot for the Justice League. Okay. So, sci-fi or fantasy? Mm. That's a that's a that's a tough one. Um. An awful lot of fantasy isn't very good. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, an awful lot of it. Okay. Um, um, on the other hand, I always end up coming back to fantasy. You know, I, I, 
I I love science fiction. I love the um, the 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 exploration of um, intellectual, scientific, and sometimes just philosophical questions. But somehow I always end up coming back to Robert E. Howard and Conan and you know the epic, and and I think that that fundamentally is the when fantasy is done right, it does a better job of of hitting that um, uh, Joseph Campbell hero's journey uh, than science fiction is normally capable of pulling off, and so. There was the literary comfort food of the ages. Well, yeah, but that's why I think that's part of what we're hardwired as as human beings. We're 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 not we're we're ultimately creatures that think in terms of mythology and myth. And fantasy, when done reasonably well, plays around with with myth and the uh, uh, the unconscious mm -hmm. better than science fiction can do, except at its absolute pinnacle. Um, the, the, uh, is, uh, as background reading for some of the stuff that I'm working on, I recently read um, Carl Jung's The uh, Red Book. I don't know if you've ever looked at part of that, yeah. but it's... Um, it's this uh, private book that Jung had where he wrote down in kind of a story form his dreams over a five to six year period. Totally batshit crazy. Wonderful fantasy stuff there. Great fodder for stories. But it's fantasy. It's, you know, when done right, fantasy always has one foot in the, in, in the, unconscious world of mythology and that's really hard for science fiction to do so i'm going to say that's a really long and windy way to get back to saying fundamentally fantasy okay and thank you for the uh for the young reference by the way oh if you've never read it totally recommend um it's 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 got this wonderfully just huge amounts of wonderfully weird stuff and it it, it absolutely um, makes total sense why young never wanted it published because he was afraid of the damage that it would do to his reputation as a scholar and scientist but as a as a artistic reference it's 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 gloriously nuts and uh, um, and, and you know Fantasy, when done reasonably well, fantasy lets us play around with that that part of us that's not in the the rational, objective, structured um, uh, world of reason. Uh, and and that's where all the interesting parts of the human experience is. Whereas science fiction, finds it really hard to get out of that, you know, by its, its very nature that, that it all, you know, again, with one big says, um, uh, a, a giant exception is doomed science fiction or is it fantasy? Mm -hmm. 
And I would say it's fantasy, not science fiction. Yeah, that's that's true. But I mean, just the fact that, oh man, not just fantasy or sci-fi, but that falls more in the realm of speculative. I well, want very much so, but but a, a tremendous amount of 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 stuff that goes on to that is it that that uh, Herbert is playing around with is mysticism, yeah. and 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 um, uh, you know you 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 think about um, the issue of having a god king, which you know to me sounds more like a fantasy issue. Uh, a nearly omniscient God King. Well, what what room does that give for human free will? Um, that that to me is more of a fantasy speculation than a. But you know, again, that's just me. Well, okay, I think that's four questions. Is there a fifth, or is that the fifth? Oh one? no, no, we 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 went through all five. Oh, we went through all five. Okay, I just can't. We count. went through all five, and so all that I'm doing right now is. It's just make sure that anybody else hasn't thrown any others that I haven't brought up into the mix. And no one has. I think Super. I think I've been I've been pretty thorough in, in this interview here. And I do thank you so very, very much, Jeff. Well, this has been an absolute blast. I am always happy to ramble and and uh, wander off on on bizarre literary tangents. Oh, that's the anytime. most fun. Oh, at, I mean, the kind of going back to the creative process we have at Chaosium is the reading lists that um, that we have. You know, jumps from Young to. Uh, I mean, if I was going to ask annoying questions, it would be more on the long of the line of, you know, what is cooler, Gilgamesh or Norse sagas? Come on, come on. Gilgamesh or Norse sagas? Iliad? Iliad or Lord of the Rings? Which do you go for? Iliad. Cool uh, you rock in my book. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just I'm just gonna have because I have to say that just because it has inspired a much wider range of people. Yeah, but I also think, think well, well, I mean, think about the whole core story is you have this in in um, the Iliad. The whole story is the destructive anger of Achilles. The, the petulance of Achilles. And you think about, you know, Lord of the Rings, which is a fantastic story, and I don't mean to diss um, Professor Tolkien, but the character's motivations in that are nowhere near as, as human mm -hmm. it, to me is the characters in the Iliad who do fantastically stupid things on top of fantastically stupid things mm -hmm. on top of stupid things right. and let's see if I was gonna let's see other one science fiction Ursula Le Guin or Larry Ursula K. Le Guin yeah or Larry Niven oh oh god 
see, I would, I would definitely say Ursula, but there was something that I read from her that just made me shut the book. But then again, is that a detriment? No, it caused a reaction. It caused me to react. Niven hasn't caused me to react that uh, emotionally. Oh, no, no, no. I, I actually, there's like no emotional connection with Niven. No. What, no. what I find though is, um, and, and again, this is just me, I find I go back to Niven though more, even though I have no emotional connection. Okay. So, I'm, because that's, I, I think it, 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 it just might be how I, I operate more on an emotional than, uh, than um, intellectual, maybe. Could, it could be, it could also be that I'm just entertained by giant cats. I, you know, <laughs> I but, no, no, no. I mean, these, these are any time. I am happy to play the the um, the the question of what is a more interesting influence or 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 medium, because okay. there there's there's a lot you can run with that. A lot Absolutely. of questions you can ask to it. Absolutely, Jeff. Um, I I just want to take this moment to thank you so very much for the time that you have dedicated to this broadcast. And we here at Legends of Tabletop are extremely thankful to you and Chaosium for the uh, oh, for the contributions that you have made to our lives in the and in the gaming community in general. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And and I'm um, and and good night. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.